Hello, my beautiful beans, and welcome to today's episode. So today I'm going to be talking about how to stop devaluing yourself, okay? Uh, I'm going to be breaking it down into a couple of categories, a couple of things to think about. There's about four things that I want you to focus on, and I'm going to be breaking those down, and it's going to help you question certain things that you do and why you do them, and it's going to make you think, it's just raising awareness for you to think, wait a minute, if I take action on this thing, that is me devaluing myself. And everything that I do on this podcast is all to help you improve your relationship with yourself. And I think that all your relationships become a reflection of your relationship with yourself. A lot of people will struggle to have the right kinds of friendship, the right partner. A lot of people say, oh, I struggle to make friends. I struggle to... No, no, no. You should be focusing on finding the right friends, finding the right partner, finding the right network of people that you want to be hanging around. And if you do actions that devalue yourself in the eyes of other people, it's going to be very, 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 very difficult for you to find not just friends, but the right kind of friends, not just a partner, but a fucking legendary partner. Okay. So I want you to take this episode really seriously. I want you to really be strict with yourself and ask yourself, am I doing these things or has this happened before and I haven't done something to stop it? Okay. So that's what this episode is going to be about. Before we get into that, I want to do a little brain fact. I want to tell you all about, well, not all about, but I'm going to touch on briefly about meningitis. Okay. So what is meningitis? I'm sure you've all heard it before. We're going to get straight into that and then we're going to go into the topic of today's episode. So today I'm talking about meningitis. What is meningitis? It is inflammation of the meninges. So the meninges are the protective layers around your brain and around your spinal cord, so the central nervous system basically. And there are three layers, three of these protective layers. They are called, the outer layer is called the dura mater. That's the hardest layer and it's compl- it's on the outside of the brain. Um, if you've ever dissected a human brain before, like at uni or whatever, you'll find that it's kind of like a very thin fingernail kind of texture. It's really quite interesting. Um, feels like, I don't know if you've ever had like kind of like this, um, is this gross for people? I don't know. But if you've ever had like acrylic nails on and then rip them off and the nail that's remaining underneath it is like really sore and tragic and thin, that's kind of what dura mater is like. Then the next layer under that, sorry for the gross visuals, the next layer under that is arachnoid mater. And this is like arachnoid because it's kind of like a spider web and I'll I'll go into that in a little bit more detail in a sec. And then the matter underneath that, which is touching the actual brain, is called the, the pia mater. And it's like very, very thin. When I was dissecting brains, it was almost like it's like this really, really thin film um, that peels off quite easily from the brain surface, okay? So they're the three protective layers. And when you have um, meningitis, it is an inflammation of the two inner layers. So the arachnoid mater and the pia mater. Okay. Now, like I said before, the arachnoid mater is like a spider web and it separates the pia and the dura mater. So if you can imagine, like if you've, you know, when you used to put glue on your hands as a child, um, like that, you know, like the, those glue stick glues all over your hand, and then you'd squeeze your hands together and you'd pull them apart. That effect where there's all these strings connecting your two hands together. Imagine that is like the arachnoid mater. It's kind of like stretching it out. And in between that is where your cerebral spinal fluid will flow in between. And then it can enter the brain as well. And the cerebral spinal fluid is constantly flushing through the brain and the spinal cord. It's producing, um, it's giving nutrients to the brain and spinal cord. 
but it's also um, supporting, like kind of cushioning the brain as well. So if you ever have a blow to the brain, your brain's moving kind of in this fluid so it's not getting direct impact onto the skull. There's like a fluid to kind of cushion it in between the blows. Now your cerebral spinal fluid, at any given time, there's around 150 milliliters of this cerebral spinal fluid, CFS, um, CFS. SF, sorry, um, in the body and it's constantly being replaced. So you have around roughly 500 milliliters each day. So if you can imagine if at any given time there's 150 milliliters, you've got an excess of 350 milliliters each day getting flushed through. And this excess is absorbed into your bloodstream. In your cerebral spinal fluid, there's a whole bunch of things, like I said, nutrients and stuff. We've also got proteins and glucose in there. So in meningitis, you're getting the two inner meninges that are inflamed and then you're getting reactions occur with the white blood cells in the cerebral spinal fluid in that void, okay? Now, what causes it? There's a whole bunch of things that can cause it and there's a, lo- a whole array of different levels of severity with, with meninges, meningitis, meninges, um, inflammation of the meninges. So you, you can have autoimmune, so lupus could be one of the things that could cause it, Um medication can cause it sometimes. You've got infection, which is the most common cause. For example, the herpes complex can cause meningitis or there's a bacteria, which is called Neisseria meningitidis. And this is the cause of meningococcal disease. So if you guys remember meningococcal disease where people would present with like crazy headaches and rashes and at times would have to have their, you know, hands or feet or even like full limbs amputated. That is the bacteria that is causing meningococcal. So when I talk about infection, it can be um, viral or bacterial, okay? So bacterial, what I just mentioned, viral being like the herpes complex. Now, how does it get into the brain? It could be directly, like if you had a skull fracture or something like that. It could be in, in infants, something like spina bifida, where I've spoken about in recent episodes, where you have part of the actual um, spinal cord protruding from the lower back. Um, So that could, of course, cause this infection. Or it could be directly through the nose. So if if someone were to sneeze right in front of you and was infected with the virus, you could get it. It's it's not as easily transmissible as something like like COVID-19 or something like that. It's definitely not as infectious because it doesn't survive that well airborne. It doesn't survive that well outside of the body. A lot of different kinds of these um like if we're talking about bacterial infection for example that doesn't survive that well outside the body but if you're kissing somebody if you're exchanging saliva if you use someone's toothbrush things that where you're getting saliva saliva and it's not that much time outside of the body then that is a way that you can get it if you inhale someone's sneeze like if someone sneezes right in front of you and you inhale it um going through the nose because the no- the nose has quite a direct line to the brain okay And another one is through the blood. So like I said, if you had like a skull fracture or something like that or other ways, you can get through the blood. Now, once it's in the bloodstream, these pathogens within the blood can move through these endothelial cells, those cells that, that, you know, create the blood-brain barrier, which I've spoken about quite a few times. And then it can get through these cells and can get to the cerebral spinal fluid. So it can get across these cells through either weakened spots, in these cells or damage through through the endothelial cells. There's a whole way that it can get through, but it gets through. And then once they're into the cerebral spinal fluid, they then start to proliferate. So they start to repeat themselves and 
very, very quickly. And in some cases, you know, the really extreme bacterial cases, it can cause death within like 24 hours or less, okay? Now, the white blood cells within the cerebral spinal fluid will start to fight it with something called a cytokine and then there's all these other immune cells that are going to come in. They get called in to fight off this pathogen which is causing – which because it's it's – replicating and replicating, proliferating. So, of course, it's causing – there's all these toxins there. So, it's causing a lot of damage because they are toxic. But then you're getting all these cells come in to fight it. So, then it's increasing the amount of pressure within the cerebral spinal fluid. The glucose levels are going down. The protein levels are going up. There's a lot of chaos going on within the cerebral spinal fluid, a lot of pressure, and it's causing inflammation in the area there. And then, of course, it's causing – like it's kind of squeezing in on the brain. And all this swelling can cause symptoms such as confusion, light sensitivity, headaches, hearing loss, all of that. And then as the bacteria multiply, it can cause septicemia because it's toxic, right? And septicemia is basically blood poisoning. And because this uh, bacteria is quite toxic, it can break down certain blood vessels. And that's why you see that rash in a lot of um, patients who present with meningococcal disease. They have this rash that comes up um, because of all the broken blood vessels, because of the toxins and the septicemia. And if there is a lot of damage to the blood vessels, that can cause internal bleeding. And, and if it hits really important organs, that's when your body can start to shut down. And that's how people have died from it in really extreme cases. The toxins interfere with oxygen supply to organs. Um, and if there's a huge amount of cell death in your hands and feet, that's then why amputation has to take place. Now, there are vaccinations to defend against it. And the, this, what I'm talking about, is very extreme causes as well. But if you were to go straight away with the onset of any of these symptoms to the hospital, doctors now or the, the you know medicine now is quite advanced at treating um, meningitis. So there's a lot of steroids that can be used, a lot of different antibiotics that can be used. And there's a lot of, you know, young people are more susceptible to it, children and babies. So they often are vaccinated against the bacterial form of meningitis. Um, anyway, good times. That is the brain fact of today. Let's get straight into today's episode. So today I want to be talking about how to stop devaluing yourself. Without realizing it, so many of us, almost all of us, partake in behaviors that actually lower our value to ourselves and also in the eyes of other people, okay? But the worst one is to yourself. And I'm going to give you a whole bunch of examples on how we do this. And it's not necessarily saying, oh, you're... you're you know, you're making yourself look like an idiot or this or that. Not at all, okay? And you're going to say what I mean very, very quickly. It's it's basically when you stretch yourself thin for other people and where people take you for granted and then because of that they lose respect for you. So you put others in a position of power and you take the power away from yourself and then you feel like, oh, these friends don't appreciate me. I'm always doing something for my friends. How can I find the right friends or my partner or X, Y, Z, Okay. So the first thing that I want to talk about, there's four points that I'm going to break down. Let's go straight into the first point. Number one, stop fighting for your worth to be seen, okay? For example, if you're talking to somebody and that person's not listening to you, do not say, excuse me, hello, can I finish my story? If you're in a group of people and you started telling a story and all of them turn away and, and ignore you, as rude as that is, do not insist that these people stop what they're doing 
and listen to you as if they were children having to listen to their parent, okay? You don't do that. And the reason you don't do that is because it is hurtful to you. And as unfortunate as as it is, they've shown that they're not interested. And if you keep begging for people to listen to you when they just don't want to listen to you, you are just causing more of a divide and you're pushing it further and further. You should never have to fight for somebody to listen to your story or, or value what you have to say. If this happens repeatedly, that is your cue to find other people to hang out with. It's not your cue to you know, fight harder, to continue insisting, to struggle with this person. No. It lowers your worth if you are begging someone to listen to you. You don't beg somebody to listen to you. If they don't want to listen, you walk away, okay? If somebody is not meeting you halfway, stop doing more than your share. If someone isn't respecting you, stop trying to get them to see that you are worth respecting. Every time you try and say, I'm worthy, look at this, or or, please respect me, look at this, or I'm going to do all of this for you so you can see my value, you are lowering your value in your eyes. You are saying that no matter who you are, you have to get that person to listen to you or that person to respect you for you to feel okay. And then I get told all the time, oh yeah, but if I did that, I'd have no friends. Yeah, maybe, maybe temporarily you would have no friends because you had to maybe cull all the friends that are currently in your circle who are treating you like shit and not respecting you. But I don't know about you, but I honestly would much rather be friendless for a bit and then take my time in growing my new friendship circle than be disrespected or ignored or the person that always has to do everything for the group, like the pleb of the group, like fuck that, okay? And I just feel like... People fear so much being alone because maybe they're just used to this cycle again and again. Do you know how liberating and how freeing it feels to not have to hang around with people that make you feel bad? It feels like a daunting thing, but when you actually look at it, it's the easiest thing in the world. Step away. Step away. Now, another thing when it comes to, you know, people fighting for their worth to be seen by other people is that we get really upset and hurt when people don't see your worth, especially when it comes to someone that you were kind of seeing or dating and they didn't see your worth or you wanted to date them and they weren't really that interested in dating you. They just wanted to sleep around or whatever. And it's kind of this idea, it's kind of this unhealthy idea for you to expect everybody to see your worth, okay? Because what happens when you do that, if you expect everyone to see your worth, You then leave that relationship or a situation and think they'll regret it. They'll be sorry. One day they'll come crawling back. They're going to turn around and think that was the biggest mistake. You are devaluing yourself by doing that because you still have their future opinion of you in your mind. And that talk of they'll eventually regret it. They'll come crawling back. That talk is saying that you will feel value and validated when that day comes. Oh, how good would it feel when they come crawling back? No, no. They are no longer any of your business. You have to walk away. You should not expect everyone to see your worth. You should expect everyone to treat you in a civil manner and you shouldn't have to hang around with people that don't see your worth, but you shouldn't expect everybody to see your worth because everybody values different things, okay? So somebody may never see your worth in the, in the, as far as wanting to date you and wanting to make you exclusively their partner. So might n- not see that worthiness in you because what you offered in the way of a relationship was not something that they personally valued. End of story. 
okay? Stop trying to tie so much of who you are and how fucked they were into that. End of story, okay? No one's going to value every single person that they meet and date in the same way. That is why sometimes you meet one person and you're like, bang, you're the person that I want to propose to or whatever because there's something about them that aligns with what you value, okay? I definitely am not advocating that you hang around and, and hang around longer with someone that's not respecting you or not valuing you or your time, but to expect them to value your time and to try and prove it time and time again and to try and show them you in your best light at all possible, you're wasting your time. You're fucking wasting your time because they may never set your value because it doesn't align with what they prioritize in their life. That doesn't make them a bad person and it doesn't mean that you are of any less value because the only person that's going to determine that is you, not them. Just walk away. Remind yourself, if someone doesn't see your worth, it is not your responsibility to show it to them in any way. It is your responsibility to yourself to step away from the situation and to stop giving energy to that person. They may never see your worth and that is perfectly fine because you do and you have removed yourself from that situation and now everyone is happy, okay? I do believe that you should be your best self to other people but you should never have to sell yourself or convince other people that you're good or good enough. If someone doesn't say it straight up, it's not your job to show them, okay? They've got other things going on and so do you. And to harbour resentment towards them is also going to be a waste of your precious time. It's going to be a waste of your energy because that person might be trying to get someone else to see their worth. So they're so wrapped up in that that they don't even realise that you're trying to do the same with them. Okay, we've all got our own battles. We've all got our own journeys. Let it be. But energy will always speak louder than words. Okay, it's your job to listen to your own energy. Next thing that I want you to focus on is how available are you? You will be taken for granted if you are always calling, chasing, doing, asking, if you're constantly doing something for the other person, like if you're doing 90% of the work of the relationship and they're doing 10%, then they are taking you for granted, whether they mean to or whether they don't. And the moment you take someone for granted, you start to lose respect for them. And a lot of the time it's unintentional, okay? And you lose respect, not necessarily in the way of thinking negatively of the other person. And you might not even be conscious of it. You might not even be aware of it. But you, for example, you respect their time less because you think it's a given that they're always available for you. Or you think that it's fair that they always drive to see you every single time. And because they've always been willing to do it, you haven't even thought that for them it's an effort. But you never drive to see them. And you now expect them to come and see you because they've always done it. So for them, it must be easy. That's a lack of respect. It's like you get annoyed if someone's late on occasion, but you're always late and they're always waiting for you. It's this idea of my time's more valuable than your time. This, re this very often happens with people, like a lot of the time it happens with mothers who are homemakers as well and they're always at home. They're always, you know, living for their children, living for their partner, doing everything. So then a lot of the, other, the, the people in the household, the, the children and the husband, will then think, oh, well, that's just your role. That's just who you are. You love to do it. It's a given. You do it better than we do. So it's just a given, right? So they think that you, not only it's your job to do it, but you want to do it. So they take it for granted. They don't think, wow, what a privilege that this person is doing this stuff for us regularly. What can we do to kind of even the scales? They'll think, oh, well, no, but that's your job anyway. Like you want to do it. Like you love, like that's just you, right? That's, that's a lack of respect. 
Another example would be um, you might be somebody that never texts back because you've got the excuse that you're so busy that you always forget to text back. But then you get annoyed if someone's not texting you back. That's you thinking that your busy is different to their busy. Another example is you, there's two people living in a household. There are a couple. One partner's always doing more housework than the other. And then once the other partner does a load of washing and then says, I did the washing for you. If a partner's going to say, I did the washing for you, that is a subconscious lack of respect. It's saying, look at me, I've done you a favor, but I'm not acknowledging the fact that if this is me doing you a favor, I'm not acknowledging all the fucking favors that you've done for me because you're always doing the washing. You're always cleaning the bathroom. You're always doing this shit. If they say, I did this for you when it was a house chore, that is a very clear Lack of respect taken for granted. And most of the time when people say this, they think they're being nice. That's how fucking far it's gone that they think that they're being nice by saying that, okay? It's fucking out of control. Or you're always the one going to see your friend. You're always the one going out of your way to see your friend. And the one time they come and see you, they're going about how hard it was to get there, how hard the parking was, oh my God, and the tolls, and oh my God. And it's kind of like, cunt, I always come to see you. And the fact that you're complaining and making all these complaints makes it clear to me that you're annoyed that you had to come and see me because you think that your time is more valuable than my time. Again, lack of respect. Sometimes all it takes is you stepping back a bit, okay? If you're in a and you can say that you're going to step back or you can just physically step back. But people don't realize or haven't stopped to realize how the situation would be if you didn't pull the amount of weight that you're pulling, okay? And sometimes it's important for you to step back and do less for somebody to understand how much you've actually been contributing. Because unfortunately, if you're always making yourself available, unfortunately, most people will take it as, oh, you've just got free time. You've just got fucking free time. You know, instead of being like, wow, I'm so lucky that this person's gone out of their way to do this for me. When if, if I turned the tables around, I'd realize how much of an effort that would actually be. You know, people just instantly assume that it must be easier for you than it is for them, hence why you're doing it, okay? Now, the next one, number three, who is the most interesting person? People in general, almost all people are wired and biased to think that we, ourselves, are the most interesting person. And we think that because we are the ones around ourselves all the time. We are biased to think that that our busy is more busy than other people's busy, that our pain is more painful, that our heartbreak is more painful than other people's, that our gossip is more interesting, that our story is more interesting. We as humans think that we ourselves are the most interesting person in the room. That's just reality. That's just social psychology, okay? All you have to do is watch how people will want to recount their dreams to other people despite never wanting to hear about someone else's dream. Dreams are fucking boring. No one wants to hear about your dream, okay? They're so fucking boring to listen to because they're so disjointed. They don't make sense. We all know this, yet we cannot help but say, oh my God, listen to my dream last night. We just cannot help but tell other people about our dream because we think surely my dream is more interesting than all these other idiots' dream. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But it kind of gets you to realize that we genuinely just believe we're more interesting. So knowing this, it becomes easier to detach emotion when you feel that someone doesn't value you as much as you would like. They are going to be the most important character in their life. So if you pander to this, 
Why are they going to change? If you then think, oh my God, of course your story is more interesting than mine. I'm not going to bother telling mine. Of course you're more important than mine. I'm not going to. As if they're going to change. They're going to think, well, that's the standard. That's what I'm expecting from you and I'm now going to expect no less. So I'm now going to demand these things from you instead of politely ask them from you. This is where you have to teach people how to treat you and teach people where the boundaries are. They're going to think that they've bought more, contributed more financially. They're going to think that they're busier. All these things because that's just how they perceive it. And if you kind of allow them to think that way or if you don't ever stop them or if you don't think, okay, well, that's what you're going to think. I'm going to go off and do my thing. If you pander to this, so why would they change? They become complacent because you start to cater to their needs more than you cater to yours. And it becomes a constant, they get used to it, so then they expect it and they become complacent. But their complacency is not your responsibility. Just because they think that they're busier and they've got more on does not make it true. And even if they are busier, it does not excuse their lack of contribution to a two-way relationship. So if someone's like, oh, I'm so much busier because I've got this activity, that, that, blah, 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 blah. Congratulations, cunt. Congratulations, you've just said that you're busy like every other person on this planet. Amazing. Do you want a medal? I am so sick of people glorifying how busy they are and thinking that people should be like applauding them for being busy. We're all, we've all got our fucking shit going on. We've all got our battles. Busy is not an excuse to be the shit cunt in a relationship. Busy is not an excuse to only put in 10% into a two-way relationship and expect the other person to constantly be putting in more. I understand that there are times in a relationship where one person has to pull their weight more than the other, but this should not be a constant thing. It should always even out at the end of the day. Now, if you are somebody that's in the dating scene and you really like someone and you've started seeing someone, but they're busy this, busy that, if someone really wants to see you or really wants to be with you, there will be no excuses, okay? Again, if someone really wants to see you or if someone really wants to be with you, there will be no excuses. Okay, if someone's not putting in the effort, step away. And that's not you giving up. That's you giving yourself the value that you've been trying to get from this other person. There comes a time where you think, I just need to cut my losses. I am devaluing myself by constantly trying to get this person to hang out with me. To my own face, not to them, who cares what they think, but to myself. I'm saying, yet again, this person's rejected me, but no, 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 I'm just going to throw myself back in there and try and get them to like me, try and wear this, try and say this, so then they like me. You're just devaluing yourself to your face. And then no wonder that then develops into self-love problems because we've been trying to entertain people that are not interested in us and then being so confused as to what we can do to get this person to like us. Step away, step away and don't even think about that person. Now, the fourth and final point is take energy for face value. Not words, but energy. We love to overcomplicate our lives and we fight what is right in front of us. Like we'll deny what is right in front of us with the excuse of, oh, they haven't really gotten to see the real me or they don't really know the real me or we haven't had the opportunity. We'll just keep fighting and fighting and fighting. And then we'll be annoyed when someone's playing games with us. But a game requires two players. If you think that someone's rejecting you or leaving you on red and you keep going back to them back and forth, back and forth, 
that is playing games. And by you engaging in this back and forth with this person and trying to get them to respond to your story that you've uploaded and trying to like leave out, you know, hooks for them to respond to, then you are now a player in this game and you have chosen to engage with this person. Someone can't be playing games with you if you think, ah, goodbye. Sever the tie, goodbye. They can't. What, what are they? They're going to be playing games with a fucking brick wall. They have to move on to the next person. If someone doesn't reply to me, do you know what I think? I think, oh, this person's too busy right now or they must have forgot. If someone doesn't reply to me for days on end and it happens more than once, I genuinely just think this person is just not interested. They're just not interested. That's it. I don't hate on them and I certainly do not feel the need to remind that person that I am alive. Okay? If it's a casual sex thing with no emotions, do what you want. Whatever. Whatever. You fulfill your your needs. But when there are feelings involved and you are really into someone and it's starting to hurt you and it's been days since that person has not replied to your most recent text, I can guarantee you, you messaging them again will only devalue yourself in your eyes and in their eyes. And you're telling yourself, I'm putting myself in a position yet again where I can get hurt. This person has clearly demonstrated that I'm not a priority, that they're not thinking of me the way I'm thinking of them. If someone's got a crush, you are top of mind. You cannot wait to reply to that text message. You get butterflies when you receive a text message. If someone can easily go days repeatedly without replying to you, they do not reciprocate the feelings that you have for them. There is no, there's just no way about it. It's so fucking clear and it doesn't even need to be said, but that's what's going on. So if you then continue to message this person when they've clearly shown that they don't reciprocate, then you're putting yourself in a position where you're getting hurt. You are devaluing yourself to you. I am doing that to myself. The signal is clear, but I'm not listening. They're not interested, but I'll just go ahead and I'll place myself right back in the firing line and then call them an asshole when they repeat this behavior. They might be an asshole, but you're also not doing yourself any favors. You're not doing yourself any favors. Actions speak louder than words. Words are crumbs, crumbs in comparison to action. And you know it. You know this. So take some accountability for your own sake. If someone's constantly rejecting you by not replying to your text messages, by calling you only when it's clearly that they just want sex when you want more than just sex, it is now up to you to exit the game. Because like I said before, a game can only be a game where there's two players involved. Once you identify the behavior, once you identify that a game is being played, that's when you decide, oh, I'm just here for a fucking good time and I don't really care. Cool, keep playing the game. But if you're like, wow, I really want to date this person and they are treating me like scum in comparison to how I'm treating them, you need to exit the game. And if you don't, then you are devaluing yourself. And also, in that, that person loses respect for you too. Because if they're never going to really date you, but you're there at their beck and call after they've rejected you repeatedly, what do you think that person's going to think of you? Oh, that poor soul. Oh, poor, poor thing. Fuck. Fuck, I'm being a bit harsh, you know, using them for like a booty call. But, you know, I'm fucking horny, so I'm just going to text that person anyway. That's what ends up happening. They lose respect for you. And you, in the long term, will start to lose respect for yourself because you've valued that person's time and you valued that person's opinion more than you valued your own. You valued being around that person at any cost more than you value being around yourself and spending some time with yourself and putting yourself as a priority. Guys, when it comes to, those are the four points, but when it comes to this devaluing of yourself, you have to kind of look at it as Not everyone is going to perceive you the way you should be perceived or the way you deserve to be perceived. 
Your job is just to identify the people that can see it, the people that, that you can mutually see that, and the people that can't. And the people that can't see it, you need to invest less time in those relationships. Okay? There is no fight. There is no struggle. There is no but one day. If there's a one day, they can, they're welcome to stroll back into your life and start respecting your time and your energy. Amazing. But it's not your job to get them to do that. Okay? It is painful and sad to, for you to be insisting that someone listen to your story. It's unfair and it's sad and it breaks my heart when, you know, you really want to tell a story and no one really gives a fuck. But because you care about the story so much, you keep trying to push and get people that don't want to listen to sit there and listen. It's painful when people don't give you back the time that you've given them, you know. Uh, and I say it all the time in the Facebook group. I'm always the one inviting my friends to do this. I'm always this. I'm always that. Part of it comes down to the fact that maybe they're just so used to it that they're complacent. And part of it might come down to the fact that they're just not really, they don't value the friendship the way you value the friendship. And the only way to know what which one that is, is unfortunately for you to create some absence. And this idea of like absence makes the heart grow fonder. It can. And, it, and, and sometimes it makes somebody realise, fuck, I actually... I actually do really value what this person brings to the relationship. And unfortunately, sometimes it only takes or it can only take that person stepping away and giving less for that person to realise what they had. You know, this idea of you don't know what it's had till it's gone. There is some truth behind that because it's this idea of like you could just be complacent because that person just always did it so freely, so freely, so freely that for you it was easy to step away. And then when they stopped doing it, you're like, whoa, I had it good. I had it fucking good. Okay, so sometimes people don't do it out of malice if it's friends, if it's a partner, but sometimes it does require you stepping away, not to punish them, but to kind of to, to heal yourself a little bit and being like, I'm just giving away a bit too much of my time and my energy and it's just starting to hurt me now that it's not being reciprocated. So I'm going to step back, I'm going to focus on myself for a bit, I'm going to do things for myself. And then if people see that happen and want to reach out and then it shows that they missed you and that they value you. And if they don't say that and they never reach out again, then maybe they're just not your people. And I've spoken about, you know, with friends that there are different kinds of friends. There's like inner circle friends and then there's good times friends. There are some friends that I've got that we don't, you know, contact each other forever, but it's mutual, mutual, okay? That's the key word. There's nothing wrong with you going months at a time without speaking to friends. But if it's only ever one-sided, then there is something wrong with that. Why is it up to one person to keep the, the flame of a relationship, a friendship alive? That's not fair. It's not fair, okay? It, it only is going to feel like a lot of hard work if, if you're the only one putting in the effort. But if both people are coming to the table and if every time you get together you can both laugh being like, fuck, we're both so shit at this, then it's fine. But if you're always struggling, struggling and you're feeling hurt that people aren't inviting you out and aren't doing things, I'm, I'm telling you, you need to find different people to hang around with. You don't have to sever these people out of your life, but find some other friends. Find some other friends that align with you because you should never have to force your friends to want to hang out with you. That's fucked. Guys, I hope you found this episode interesting and I hope that you kind of pay attention to those things and you stop, you know, fighting for your worth to be seen because if it's not seen, that's not your fault. It's not their fault, but you need to find other people. Start expanding your circles. Start going out there, meeting different people and you will find your people, you'll find your community, you find people that you align with, that you bounce off. You'll find it. I can guarantee you that. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. I love you so much. And as always, remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to your brain. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Don't care.